0: Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. He
1: does have a tricky body. He does. Okay. He doesn't look like, okay, look at this. If, if that guy's walking down the street, you have no idea who he
2: is. I don't know if you're saying, yeah, he's the best quarterback in the world.
0: This is the Press Box.
2: So we, our mean, tricky body list is James Harden and Patrick Mahomes. And yeah. now Patrick Mahomes runs kind of fun. With Graney and Bischoff.
3: Yeah. Oh, and uh, Travell Becker
2: turbo Beck's body is not tricky. We know exactly what Turbo-back's <laughs> body is. It is not tricky in any way. Not at all. That is a complete lie. Stop trying to put Turbo-back in that category.
0: On ESPN Las Vegas.
1: Wait a second. Best quarterback in the world, Derek Carr, has a tricky body? I didn't know that. He does? I didn't know that. Why do you think he rolls up the sleeves? Come on. Yeah, well, the guns, the gun show. Gangs all back together. Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Oh, it's a good day. The first bite.
3: Is Derek Carr an MVP candidate?
1: Yes. After two weeks. Yes. (laughs) After two weeks. (laughs) I mean, if you go week to week, it's so subjective. After the fourth week, we're now like three new names, except maybe Brady, because he's run like 10 touchdowns a week. But... Absolutely, is an MVP candidate right now.
2: Got the most passing yards in the NFL. He hasn't been quite as efficient as some other quarterbacks. I think PFF has him as the ninth best quarterback so far this year. But the his first two quarters against Baltimore that (laughs) hurts him. That brings the numbers down a little. He was really bad. Yeah. Uh, But since then, he's been really good. And yeah, like two weeks in, he's absolutely worthy of MVP conversation. Now, like you said. Give it two more weeks and we'll have three more names to throw in. Two, right? <laughs> exactly. So Derek Carr might throw four picks and yeah. on Sunday, and it's okay. That's that was short lived. But here's to me the big difference in what we're seeing out of Derek Carr. He's throwing the ball down the field, mm-hmm. throwing it down the field. Uh, Josh Dubow tweeted out this stat. So Derek Carr this year has seven completions that have traveled in the air twenty yards or more so far this season. We've only played two games in his career the fastest he has gotten to seven completions with 20 air yards or more is five games. He's cut that more than in half so far this season. He's throwing the ball down the field. It's one of the things that people have been asking to see Derek Carr do on a regular basis for basically his entire career is, Hey, take some more shots down the field, give your receivers some more chances to go make plays. I go back to week one. One of the biggest plays was that Brian Edwards catch where he almost got into the end zone. Brian Edwards was not open on that play, and Derek Carr just threw it up and gave him a shot in one-on-one coverage, and Edwards made a play. That's something in the past Derek Carr has not done. This is the quarterback that's thrown the ball away on fourth and goal in the past. So yeah. for him, that he's finally yeah. being like, all right, I'm going to give my receiver shots. I'm going to throw it down the field, and it's, it's why yeah. he leads the league in passing. It's why the offense has been able to be... A good offense, despite having no running game to speak of.
1: Used to be the Auburn quarterback. Fourth down. Let me throw it out of bounds. Uh, you know what is surprising about this? Let me get your thoughts on this. You'd think this year, with a rebuild offensive line and guys dropping like flies and guys hurt all over the place, with two going into the season, two unproven receivers for sure and Rugs and Edwards, you'd think this year... He'd be getting the ball away quicker and shorter routes, right? Because you're worried, oh God, these guys can't block anyone. Now they've done a lot better than I think any of us thought they would. have at this point, it's two games. We get that, but you've got Parker out there. You've got Lamalou. I I don't know how that. I still don't know what that is. Element Yeah, I still don't know what his name is. He's the candle supposedly in a Disney movie. But <laughs> um, I mean, think about that. You haven't. You have a rebuild offensive line who's hurt. You'd guess. Correct me if I'm wrong, that would lead to more quick outs, quick pass, get rid of the ball because you're afraid they're not gonna block anyone. To have this many downfield throws, you're getting some kind of protection. You got they have they've gotta they've gotta get down the field before you can throw it that far. So and why so why do you think all of a sudden in his eighth year of
2: starting with a rebuild offensive line, this is now the time he's doing this? I don't know. Because they finally realize throwing the ball down the field is what matters. I think I do think a lot of it has to do with they have no running game to speak of. True. They have they have nothing. In this running game, right? I think they're 31st mm-hmm. in the league in rushing yards and 31st in the league in yards per carry right now. Like they have absolutely nothing and it, and it doesn't really even have much to do with Josh Jacobs being hurt. It has to do with the offensive line yeah. being useless as run blockers. So I think that's a lot of it. They are not getting any production on the ground. And this is in the past. This John Gruden offense has been a team that wants to run the ball first. They want to control the clock and they want to get themselves in easier passing situations, right? They want to be in third and four. They want to be in second and six so that it's not, Hey, we have to take a shot down the field. It's a, Hey, we can throw the seven yard pass route and pick up the first down. But when you cannot run the ball, when there is zero rushing yardage to speak of is Marcus Mariota still the leading rusher on this team. He might be well as a team, (laughs) as a team, they've rushed for, what is it? 86
1: total. Yes. He's got, Almost half. I yeah. think his. I think his uh, rush before he uh, went down injured was thirty six or thirty eight. So
2: in one run, he's got almost half their yards, and they've played two games. Here we go. Okay, it's one hundred thirty four for the entire season. Josh Jacobs has thirty four yards. Peyton Barber has thirty two. Marcus Mariota has thirty one. Okay, so he's almost tops. Those are your, those are your leading he's rushers after two weeks. Is three guys in the thirties. They have nothing in the run game, right. and I think that's why. We're seeing a Derek Carr have the most passing yards in the league because they literally can't get any rushing yards. But also, why they're sh- throwing it down the field more is because that—that's how they have to move the ball. That's how they have to score because they're never—they're—they're they're not going to be in second and two or third and one very often when you can't run the ball. It's going to have to be pushing it down the field.
1: I know a lot of it has to do with opponents, but do you believe or how long do you believe this is sustainable? I, I get it, it, it. Often it depends on who you're playing. I get that, but. I don't know if this is a sustainable long run where you're going to average 2.9 yards per carry and be able to continue winning games.
2: Yeah. And carr has been sacked five times, which is puts them on pace for over 40 sacks on the year.
1: I'm actually surprised at that. I've got to be honest with you. Is I thought, higher? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I'm surprised at that. I didn't know you. I didn't even know it was five and I've been to both games. I seriously don't remember
2: a lot of the sacks. Yeah. So he, he has been sacked a pretty high amount through two games and there is no running game. I here's why I don't think that it's going to be that sustainable. The main thing is the pressure on the quarterback. And so in the NFL, like turnovers are the hardest thing to predict, right? but they're probably the best indicator of who's going to win the game. Whoever wins the turnover margin tends to win the game, especially if you win it by more than one, if you're plus two, plus three, the best stat we have to sort of indicate future turnovers is pressure rate. So like, the good side for that on the Raiders is they are generating a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks. Max has yes. been phenomenal. Yes. So they should, in theory, continue to create some turnovers. But offensively, this offense is going to start turning the ball over if Derek Carr is going to be under pressure with a bad offense and line. continuing to throw it farther down the field. Right. So I would assume that there will be turnovers coming for the Raiders if the offensive line doesn't drastically improve. And that'll be, I mean, that'll be what sinks them. If they, this Sunday, if they lose the turnover battle to Miami, you know, if they're minus two, even if two is not playing, they're not winning that yeah. game. So I would expect there's going to be some regression. They're going to come back to earth because I just, I don't know that you can be that good on offense for an entire season without an offensive line. Like, cause they're not no. even, they're not even getting like average no. offensive line play right now. Alex Leatherwood is still the worst Tackle by pro football focus. Andre James, I think, is now 31st of 33 by pro football focus centers this year. Like, they're not even getting, like, average offensive line. They're getting horrible offensive line play. And I have to imagine that catches up with them sooner or later. I am
1: surprised. I've got to be honest with you. And I know it's because they don't have a run game. But for seven years, he just came off. And maybe not the 16th season because of some of the receivers he had. And that was a really good team. He just seemed like, to me, to be a guy who was going to be safe because he didn't want to throw picks he just didn't want to throw picks because for whatever reason he didn't want to be the quarterback that threw picks or turned it over for I don't know his ego I don't know what it was but he just wasn't a guy who took a lot of chances like he is now and I think everything goes into it the run game the offensive line and all that but I'm glad he's doing
2: it I think it makes for a more exciting team and it makes Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs look like usable competent wide receivers like these are these are not receivers that are like, oh, they're creating yards of separation and Carr, It's a no brainer to throw to him. Granted, he's missed a couple wide open guys down the field. But if you're willing to give Brian Edwards a chance, what he's supposedly best at is being a big physical yes. wide receiver that can yes. go attack the football. You, you got to give him a chance, even if it's one on one coverage and he's not wide open. And so if Carr is going to keep doing that, it's a good sign for those receivers. Here was the stat that was incredible about the run game. Uh, Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus tweeted this out. The Raiders, just the running backs this year, have 111 yards after contact this season. They only have 86 total rushing yards this year. That means they have rushed after contact behind the line of scrimmage for Mm -hmm. 24 yards this year. They are getting hit on average behind the line of scrimmage when they hand the ball off. Because it goes to the offensive line. Right. That's how bad this offensive line has been. And that's why they have zero Run game. It's amazing they're two and zero. It
1: is. It's, it's amazing. And look, all credit to him. And I do think after two weeks, I do think he's an MVP candidate. We'll see as the season goes on. But it's amazing given everything, the numbers you just gave, and and where these guys are ranked, that they're two and zero. And. I think they need Incognito back. I think obviously his injury is worse than they said in the beginning because supposedly he's okay. You know he might be okay for the first week, the second week. They need him back. Maybe he stabilized a lot of things. He's obviously their best offensive lineman, and Colton Miller. So you need him back. I don't know how much better it's going to get in the long run because I don't know if Andre James and Alex Leatherwood in week eight or nine are suddenly going to be incredible players. That that was
2: my question: is how how much better can they get? Because Colton Miller, uh, I think he's 14, he's 5 pro football focus. He'll probably be right yes. in that range at the end of the season. You know Incognito can play. If he's healthy, right. Incognito will be one of the top 15 guards, guards in the right. NFL, more than likely. But big question is, yeah. is he healthy? He didn't play a whole lot last year. and he Missed both games already. Hasn't played this year. So, but then you go across center to right tackle, and I don't know that. I, I mean, how good is Andre James going to be. It's not like Andre James is a rookie. I mean, it is no. his first time as a full-time starter, so maybe he gets better, but... What does he go from the 31st best center to the 28th, eighth, 26th doesn't really do you a whole lot. And then whatever combination of John Simpson or Jermaine elementor whoever the right guard is, I don't have much hope in that position. Yeah, they should bring him back. <laughs> I don't have much faith that that position is going to get better. Alex other, he's sh- the key should, I mean, he's a rookie. He's got I two mean, NFL starts. Granted. He is hurt. And, but again, what's the play. ceiling? That's a good question. I don't know what the ceiling is. He hasn't been good the first right. two games, so and it's it's like Andre James. Okay, so you're the thirty fourth best tackle right now in football, or excuse me, sixty fourth best tackle. Oh, in, ta- excuse in, me, okay. In football, if you get better, does that make you the fifty fourth best yeah. tackle? Because that's still not good. So when you look at the offensive line, I think it's a massive question mark as to whether they can get significantly better. I don't know that they will. Like. It might not ever happen this season and we might be talking about and it might I think what that's gonna lead to is a very up and down season where they'll have games where the offense works around it and they win games, they beat Baltimore, whatever it is. But there's probably gonna be a couple games in here that looks a lot like what Atlanta last season mm-hmm. where they have like three or four yeah. turnovers, cars sacked like five or six yeah. times, and it's just like, Yeah, we no got, chance. We got nothing because right. we can't hold back their defensive line for more than half a second before it's a sack. So We'll see if it gets any better, but it's it's amazing they're two and zero, and it's I think it's a lot of credit to Derek Carr. And to go back to the original question, you look at the offensive line, you look at the record, you look at Derek Carr's yardage and the way he's played. Absolutely, two weeks in, yes, he's an MVP. He's an candidate MVP candidate based on the rest of the team. Coming up next, the Packers are back.
0: Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. They get motion from Aaron Jones to the left, flipped to Jones, around the left end, makes the turn to the yeah, end zone, right. touchdown! A.J. Dillon blocking in front, Aaron Jones with the first Green Bay touchdown of the season. Second and goal to go inside the one play, action, Rodgers bootlegs right, throws right flat, got his man, end zone, touchdown, Aaron Jones! We are back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff.
1: Are the Packers back, end? I don't think they are. Oh! I... I only watched some of it on my way back uh, from Pittsburgh. I got to watch a little of it, so I didn't see all of it. So I saw I saw it early on, which wasn't very good for them, and then I listened to it in the car when it was raining and they like were scoring touchdowns to win. But when I saw like the first quarter, like I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, this is the Packers team I went I picked to go to the Super Bowl. They <laughs> still don't like that pick. <laughs> I like my Buffalo pick. They won 35-0. But uh, I don't know if they are they yet. shut them out in the second half. I know. Well, they shut out Detroit. Dude, I know. I know.
2: I mean, listen, they gave up 30-something yeah, to Jameis and the Saints last week, and then the Saints had, hey. like, seven total yards of offense in week two. Like I said, I hope they're back. I it's a weird a league. Line.
1: It is. It is. <laughs> weird. You know what, Jared, in the press box in Pittsburgh, we started seeing scores, and I said that to a couple people in the press box. I said, this is the weirdest league ever. That team uh, with Jameis Winston blew out the Packers, and it was, like, getting shut out through the third. And I'm like, this is the weirdest, dumbest league. Well, Tyler's going to tell you hockey's dumber. But this
2: is a weird league week to week. Hockey is a dumber sport. Might the be a dumber sport, is, but it's NFL just is a weird. dumb league. So, all right, who is the Buccaneers' biggest competition in the NFC?
3: <gasps> Rams?
2: Uh, you could you could pick like one of four teams in the NFC. The West. entire West? Whoever the entire wins Western that. Division?
1: Yeah. yeah, whoever wins the West. Because yeah. I'm a Cowboy guy, and I don't think they are. And I don't think the Washington team is. Yeah. So if I you go to the East, I can't find a team. That you're like, oh, that team's better.
3: Okay, wait, wait. We we should do the opposite. What teams are definitely not? That would be an easier I question. From the, uh, NFC the Giants are out?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you're saying that the biggest competition for Brady? Yeah. I don't think anyone in the NFC East is. I think someone for whoever wins the West could be. So it's basically coming into
2: the year, it was Tampa Bay and Green Bay. And right. then the NFC West was sort of the second tier all by themselves. And then some combination of... Dallas, Dallas or Washington right. and that division. I think the Dallas offense is going to be really good. I don't know that the Dallas defense is going to be good enough to actually contend for an NFC championship. I think the NFC West has four good teams. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the NFC West has one single great team. Like, I don't know that the Rams are actually going to be a Super Bowl contender this year. I don't know that the 49ers or the Cardinals or the Seahawks, any of those teams, are going to be legitimate. Super Bowl contenders. It feels like there's Tampa Bay and then there's a second tier and it's Green Bay, L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, Arizona, and hell, Washington, Dallas. It feels like there's a second tier of some good teams, but it does not feel like anybody is going to be on Tampa Bay's level this year.
1: See, for some reason, I think um, that the third tier is Dallas and Washington.
2: Okay, that's fine.
1: I think the third tier is Dallas. I, I would put the entire West as the second tier. I mean, I I don't know who's going to win that. I think they're all really good teams. I, who knows who's going to win that, that division? But Tampa Bay, you know, revamp Dallas D and Atlanta. He's re- I mean, he's thrown nine touchdowns in two weeks. That's not going to sustain itself. Yeah. He's not throwing four and five a week. So they're really good. Defensively, we saw what they did in the Super Bowl. They're really, really good. Sort of want to see them five, six, seven weeks down the road instead of playing who they've played.
2: Yeah. I Once mean, they play a little bit tougher competition. Yeah. But... They're good, obviously. They're probably the best team. But, yeah, you look around the rest of the NFC, their biggest competition is supposed to be the Packers, and the Saints blew them out, and it wasn't even competitive. And then, yeah, they beat the Lions, but the Lions. Are the Lions going to win a game this year?
3: What They get to play Kirk Cousins. What
1: team has the best chance of not winning a game? The Lions? Jacksonville.
3: Jacksonville. Oh, Jacksonville. The only thing is they do oh, get another. An Urban Meyer. They, they already lost. The, they already lost to Houston. Yeah. So that sort of eliminated Houston from contention. <laughs> Urban Meyer, in <Owens> Seventeen. Oh, <laughs> oh, hello, SC. It's Urban. Is that? Just, I'm
1: not going to be the coach. I'll be there tomorrow.
3: Just the gif of like. I just can't wait for Ed Grady to be just like, a, like doing a victory lap of. <laughs> Hey Urban, hey, I, I flew out from Las Vegas just for this post uh, this postseason press conference. Did you guys? This was
1: I thought this was hilarious. Watching NFL Network yesterday morning, and there's, they show Eric Bieniemy, um, Colin plays uh, from a previous week, and they're like, you know, the thing is, Eric Bieniemy he's being mentioned as a leading candidate for USC, and the guy goes, well, he goes, I don't think that's happening because Chris Collinsworth told Eric Bieniemy that, and Eric Bieniemy said the AD is the guy who fired me in Colorado.
2: Mike Bowen, he goes, I don't think I'm getting that job because he fired all of us. He goes, I don't think he's hiring me to be the SD coach. So Urban's right there again. All right, here we go. Tell me where the win is for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Next game, they're hosting the Cardinals. No,
1: not a chance. Not
2: with that quarterback. Following week, Thursday night football at Cincinnati. (laughs) Okay. Thursday night, only because they have Trevor Lawrence. That's the only reason they gave
1: him that game. I'm going to say they've got a shot there. All I'm right. going to say they've got a shot there. They Chase host is so good. They host the Titans. Well, not after, not after the game you saw in Seattle.
2: They host the Dolphins. Oh, maybe maybe that might be one. I will say no chance they beat the Dolphins. Okay, uh, they go to Seattle. No, no. They host the Bills. No, no. To the Colts. Mm, possible. Host the 49ers. No. no. Host the Falcons. Mm. That's an interesting one. We've come up
1: with two or three interesting ones. We haven't said
2: yes on any of them, but we've come up with two interesting ones. We'll get to, I I think I know where the wind's coming. Uh, They go to the Rams. No. To the Titans. No. They host the Texans. Revenge game. (laughs) That's pretty Week 15. Is this it? Against the Jets. Oh. Oh. Where? In New York. Oh. That's a that's a good
1: one. I think that's All where right, they went. That might be what so one you're 16, thinking
2: they win in New you're
1: York. You think an Irvin wins his first game in week
2: fifteen. Well, he might not be there, by the I, I don't
3: know. I don't know if the he's Jaguars even a coach at that point. I, I think I think around probably week eight or nine, if they have won a game, the players will come into the locker room and there'll be a note sitting in each of their locker <laughs> that says, I've you know, we, we did something really great here. I've <laughs> <laughs> we've done something really great. We've changed we've changed the culture. No moral victories around here. But due to my health, I think I need to go to a warmer climate. Yes.
2: I'm going, moving to Los Angeles. How did we let, how did we let Trevor Lawrence go to Urban Meyer and the Jags? How did we let that happen as a league? Can we rig this league for once? Let him go to somewhere where he Come has on. a chance to succeed. Yeah. What are we doing?
3: Rig the league. I don't, I don't want him in Jacksonville. I, I kind of felt that way about Burrow going to Cincinnati, but then I was like. It's been a while since Cincinnati was yeah. good. Maybe, maybe we
1: love. But he's, Burrow's got a running back. He's got some receivers. He's got some guys around him. Doesn't have Urban Meyer. Doesn't yeah, <laughs> doesn't have to deal with that guy every day. Oh, man. Urban Meyer was on uh, his media availability last week, and they asked him about USC when he gave the quote, I'm not going anywhere. That guy looked like he was already 0-16. I'm like, man, dealing with this guy on a daily basis. He was <laughs> dire and dour. He's like, we're building something here. It's like, Jesus, you're two weeks in.
3: Oh, uh. I still enjoy that someone's like, did you get out coach? And he's like, that's, uh, that's, ooh, that's something.
2: <laughs> let, let me ask you if this is the best stat line for the Jacksonville Jaguars. LaVisca Chenault, one carry, zero yards, two catches, negative three yards. <laughs> wow. it's <laughs> a great number. That's a great number. This is, so he, I think he was a second round pick last year as a wide receiver. and actually was pretty solid last year for the Jaguars as a rookie wide receiver. I don't think Henry Ruggs ever, ever had a game with negative receiving yards. No, he has not. I don't not. think that happened. Had a lot of games with no targets. Yeah, he did. Where they didn't, didn't. didn't allow him to have negative yards. But two catches, negative three yards. I don't think that ever happened for Henry no. Ruggs. And as, hey. as much as we bagged on Henry Ruggs having a terrible rookie season, that stat line never came up. Three touches, negative three yards. You a believer now in Henry? He's fast. Uh, he was. Yeah. He was. He runs down the field. Throwing Derek, if Derek, I, I'm a believer in Derek Carr throwing it deep to him. Just chucking it to him. That was
1: yeah. a heck of a pass, actually. It was. And he got, and he was being pressured. That right. was stepped up. I mean, he was about to get hit.
2: That was a heck right. of a pass. That's one of the plays where you're like, oh, Derek Carr. Yeah. This is different from what we've seen in yep. the past. That one and the Brian Edwards throwing overtime. Yeah. Well, it's like that, those are not throws we're used to seeing Derek Carr even attempt. Like, they've probably always been there, but he's always oh, been I the quarterback been that would throw it to... Hunter Renfro six yards down yeah. the field instead or just throw it out of bounds on fourth and goal every now and then. So, yeah, that's that's one <laughs> of the passes you look at and say, wow,
3: that the, genuinely there might be a difference in Derek Carr. I will say didn't did we, we have gotten multiple Derek Carr fumbles that are very like, can 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 you can you hold on to the ball while oh, you're the one's
1: going into the end zone? When, well, he, when he held I'm just it saying, out. A no, no, I'm just times. saying
3: he drops back now. Yeah. And if, like, if he gets hit at all, like it's like, and the ball's on the ground. Yeah. Okay, he's got it. Whew.
1: He's questionable. I don't think questionable. He, he, there's no way Nathan Peterman's playing on Sunday. Give us the Peterman. No. Do you know how great that would be? If Peterman started, oh, against, you know if great Peterman started be... against the uh, uh-huh. backup from Miami, whoever
2: that is, it is oh. it's Jacoby Brissett. Oh, is is it? it, There is a more than 0% chance that we get Jacoby Brissett versus Nathan Peterman. Well, you're not getting Nathan Peterman. Would not Derek Mann. Carr's questionable. That is not, he's not that is not good to go. If and that listen,
1: MRI had showed anything seriously, I think John Gruden would have been a lot sader He scrambles once like
2: he did last year and he pulls a groin or something again. Oh, I'm not saying that couldn't happen in the game. I think he's starting the game. I don't Who knows what's gonna happen in the game? There's a non zero chance we get Peterman and Jacoby Brissett <laughs> in a real NFL game, not a preseason one. Who would you favor? I gotta think Peter Mann at the house. Peterman at home? He's been in the system.
0: (laughs) Well, he's played more than anyone on the field this season. He played every snap except one. Coming up next, David Roth joins the show. Do you want to schedule a parent teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702 720 4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. We are happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the Press Box. Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. Good morning, David. Is it David? Yeah. How's it going? (laughs) All right.
2: I do need to ask you this. because I've asked you a few times about Shohei Otani and if we're appreciating it enough. Have Mm -hmm. we already gotten so bored of him that we're having a legitimate conversation Mm -hmm. about whether Vladimir Guerrero Jr. should win MVP?
4: I think i got to blame the Angels for that. Because, like, personally, the Otani highlights haven't gotten any less cool to me. It's just that they're now happening at these games where there's, like, 75 people there. And, like, some of them were, like, just fell asleep after the last game ended and haven't left yet. <laughs> like, the energy has never been lower. But the, there is a video, uh, Tom wrote about it on the site, of him just, like, pumping split-finger fastballs in the eighth inning of a game the other day. And it's like, that didn't... Like, he's also got 46 homers. Like, this is still very, very cool. It's just, you know, that team is going to finish, you know, at under five hundred And I, Vladimir Guerrero, like, I'm always up for any Vladimir Guerrero conversation Like, even if it is taken away from my sweet boy, Shohei.
2: (laughs) Are you surprised that Vladimir Guerrero not is as good as he is, but is as big as he is?
4: I'm always surprised by that. I mean, I think that it's also the way in which he's big. Like, I like, because of the age that i am when i see somebody like that i always think of them being like rbi baseball characters in real life like the original rbi baseball where they kind of like were being designed by like nintendo guys and they were like what does an athlete look like uh like is it just a perfectly ovoid sphere with a little <laughs> head sticking out the top of it probably right he looks, and like, then they Mo- made...
3: he looks like mario after he eats the mushroom
4: yes exactly yeah. right So <laughs> like the idea of basically assuming that Wario's body is peak performance, and then projecting outwards from there in your baseball simulation, it wasn't the most realistic. But in this case, like Vlad Guerrero actually kind of does have that RBI baseball person look, and yet, like, it's not just that he's powerful and stuff. Like he's like in good shape. He's just like naturally a man that is uh, very wide and very deep.
2: So let me ask you: In the AL, which wild card matchup would you prefer between the Yankees, Red Sox, and
4: Blue Jays? I mean, to me the the Yankees are are pretty cursed. Uh, like they're just like a grim team to watch. I maybe it's that I know too many Yankee fans because the team is is good. They have a lot of good players on it. And yet my friends that are Yankee fans talk about them like an ailing pet. <laughs> like just stuff, like if you had like a dog that had diabetes and you have to give it shots and you're like, "Well, oh, it's sad, but I love it." You know, it's like I look at that lineup and I'm filled with envy. And yet, there's still a great deal of. Uh, I think that, like, maybe those guys just need to be in timeout for the offseason and think about <laughs> how they've how they've responded to the experience of having like Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo join the <laughs> team at the deadline. Uh, the Sox are bad. I mean, I don't know what. I, to me, I want to see the Blue Jays, but I am fascinated by the fact that the Red Sox have hung around as long as they have. I mean, like, plenty of teams can do the thing that they did in the first half, which is just basically overperform. I mean, the Mariners are doing it too. Like way overperform any reasonable projection based on like how they're actually playing. But I guess the Mariners are still technically in it too. Like in both of those cases, I'm always going to pull for a team that like should have 74 wins and instead has 86 wins. Like that's to me like baseball magic. I don't. I, and also like you know I don't watch them that much, so I'm really interested in seeing like what the Mariners are doing, for instance, how it's happening.
1: Do you think the shine has come off Fernando Tatis? He almost gets in a fight in the dugout, which I wish—I kind of wish Machado had thrown down with him as he screamed yeah. at him. And then he's dropping balls that a T-ball kid wouldn't drop wouldn't drop in the outfield. Because you know, two months ago he's the obvious MVP, and now they've just completely folded.
4: Yeah, I, it's it's a weird one. I don't think that there's any like indicator there that this is somehow going to be like a problem for his career. Like he's not going to like show up next year and just have Milton Bradley's career from here on out. Like
1: <laughs> he might be in the I don't know,
4: but he's also very young and that team is going through like just one of those, I associate this kind of collapse with the Mets for obvious reasons, but there's like <laughs> the thing that's happening to them is bad. I don't think it needs to be, you know, like a, a kill shot for the franchise. Like that no. roster is still so stacked and, you are going to get better next year. I mean, like, Mike Clevenger is going to be in their rotation next year. Like, this is, they're going to be, you know, one of the very best teams in baseball again. But, man, it really is bad vibes all the way there. Machado being Machado is also probably a big part of that. Like, obviously, it's annoying that Tetis almost got himself run arguing balls and strikes. Like, that's, right. but I think part of the, the point of having, you know, like, they talked about, like, Hosmer as a guy that they added because of, like, character and like knowing how to win and stuff like that. And nobody really likes to give Machado credit for that because he's a red ass and like, and not necessarily in the way that people tend to find charming always. (laughs) But I do feel like that's kind of an important thing for Tatis to hear. Like maybe he doesn't need to hear it at full volume near a TV camera, but I think that that's, you know, an important part of, of every player's evolution, you know, is like that realization that it's not about you it's, like, it's not limited to genius baseball players. Like Everybody in their early 20s needs somebody to yell that at them every now and then.
1: It kills me for obvious reasons, but I do give them a lot of credit. Are you shocked the Giants never went away?
4: Absolutely. I, I, I mean, this goes beyond all of the, the even-year stuff from the last decade. Because in that case, I was just like... I just accepted that there was some sort of supernatural element involved. So I was like, "Oh, it's 2008. That means Matt Kane is going to pitch like Sandy Koufax somehow." <laughs> and then next year he's not. But this is like how it's going to be. This year, it's like they again, like they had that that same sort of Red Sox thing, where like you can look at their lineup and be like, "Oh, I know who many or some of these guys are," but like a team like that can be good for a half, can be great for a month, like. it's still puzzling to me, but, like, I have no choice but to admire it. Like, I've only seen them really play this year against the Mets, and they're just, like, 30% better than any team the Mets played, (laughs) except for the Dodgers. Uh,
2: How many MLB owners do you think are looking at the Mets and the Padres saying, yep, this is why we never spend money?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's not like they needed an excuse, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's some element of that, for sure. Like, the Padres, I think, it's weird. Like, I wish that they had made the playoffs this year just because I feel like they are one of the very few teams that like acted normal in recent years, you know, like every other owner, it seems like is trying to find some sort of perfectly revenue neutral way to like improve their team three and a half percent or whatever, you know, it's like a very conservative approach. And that like really favors kind of a Leroy Jenkins speed run into the free agent market, like the Padres have done, or like, Making the moves that they made in terms of cashing on prospects for Darvish and and things like that, and I want to believe that works because I feel like if if no team is doing that, then I don't know what we're going to be watching. You know, I mean, basically just like watching a bunch of pre-arbitration guys and two free agent salaries on every Mm -hmm. roster, kind of feels grim. I mean, like for all the talk about parity that you get from owners, I don't think it's really what anybody wants to watch.
1: Do we want to see the Jaguars go 0-17 just to see Urban Meyer completely combust?
4: I was talking with some friends at work the other day about, like, how is it more fun that the to see the Jaguars be bad now than it has been the many other times that we've seen it happen, and I think you, you got to give Urban Meyer a lot of credit. Just the vibes that he's putting off. They issued some statement after they lost, and it's like everyone thought you were going to lose your first two games, guys. Like you're a rookie quarterback, and they had to like whatever. I, you could basically imagine like one of those like slowed down children's choruses they use in the uh, in movie trailers to tell you that something is supposed to be meaningful, and they're just like in the nine oh four. Like we know that. You don't, nothing's given to you and you got to uh, it's like a rise and grind sort of scenario and it's like this really grandiose thing it's like, yeah, you've lost by three touchdowns your team is bad like, you just, it's okay, like your fans certainly know this, like this is the first time they've seen it but that Irvin Meyer, uh, like the it has the, the feeling of like kind of a, a dead in the water presidential campaign like for all the ways the Jaguars have been bad, they've never reminded me of Jeb Bush until this year <laughs>
2: Which quarterback is better, Daniel Jones or Taylor Heineke?
4: They're exactly as good as each other. Which, as a Giants <laughs> fan, I love. I think that that's just really like that game wound up being kind of fun in a stupid way. The, the incredible Thursday night vibes, Thursday night game, and people were mad at me because I I get upset about Daniel Jones, and they were like, "Yeah, it wasn't Daniel Jones's fault." Like, and it wasn't Daniel Jones's fault. It's just also that like Daniel Jones is the tenth pick of the draft. And is, I would say, exactly as good as Tyler Heineke, Taylor Heineke, whatever it is. That's fine. Neither one works. A guy from a directional Michigan school who (laughs) is playing because Ryan Fitzpatrick hurt himself is as good as the 10th pick of the draft.
2: Life of a Giants fan. He is David (laughs) Roth from The Defector. David, as always, we appreciate it. Thank you, David. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. What a division.
1: That is true though. It's not like the Jaguars have stunk in the past, but now it's different because of Urban
2: who's right. out of his mind. Does anybody like Urban Meyer? <sighs> his family, he makes a lot of money. Did you see? <laughs> he makes did millions. you guys see the picture of his house and no. how it was decorated? Some, is this in Jacksonville? I can't remember the yeah, it's, I can't remember the reporter, but somebody did like, "Oh, and, and in in home, this is the the house of Urban Meyer." Their, like, living room looks like one of the most uncomfortable places you've ever been. But the, the highlight is their coffee table has about 50 framed photos on it. Of like him? N- just of their family. Like, it's just a coffee table. You can't, like, put
3: coffee or like a
2: soda or anything you on it. You can't set anything down because it is just rows of picture frames. It is the weirdest thing Do I've ever Do they have seen. walls? There's more pictures on the walls. <laughs> I was going to say, there are other places to put yeah. pictures. It was it was like, oh, crap. They're coming with the TV cameras. Put out the pictures. <laughs> well, where do we put them? I don't care. Put them on the coffee table. It was the strangest
1: thing. So it's me. one of those places you wouldn't feel comfortable even watching a game in. No, oh God, no. I don't know if there's a TV. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: think it was just a mirror on the wall. Probably like a grandfather clock is the only thing that
3: makes noise in the house. Oh no chance. Did, okay, did you guys... Did... did was this fake news? Did I get, like, tricked by the Internet again? Did Did Ryan Fitzpatrick basically say that he hurt himself in the off season going down a water slide and he re it in the game? I did not hear did that. Did not hear that. Okay. I may have been one of those things that is a complete I did not hear that. That false. he hurt
2: himself
1: what, with his kids or something going yeah, down a water slide? Yeah, going
2: down a water slide.
1: Didn't hear it.
0: Coming up next, Jonathan Marcheseau. Hey, we finally got a Golden Knights player that's talking this offseason. Are stats hogwash? Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Grainy. Snap the Rogers. looks right, throws the middle. Got Tanya! Rodgers looking, waiting, sends it out left side. Aaron Jones wide open to the end zone. Touchdown. 11 yard touchdown pass. Aaron Rodgers to Aaron Jones. And a Lambo lead to the north end zone stand for Showtime. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed and Bischoff underscore Tyler.
2: So every Friday throughout the football season, we have the Della Lone Center Friday Football Frenzy. Uh, so far, we have not had a winner two weeks in, so we'll have $300 up for grabs this Friday. Uh, you'll just have to pick the winners of three NFL games that we give you. Uh, so far, Ed, our Friday contestants have picked one of six games correctly. They're one in five? One in five. <sighs>
1: We're gonna get some money to say that's good for whoever wins it. They're gonna get a nice check for themselves. So we'll have three hundred dollars,
2: and if somebody doesn't win on Friday, that good will all them. roll over to next week. Now, we have some quotes from Jonathan so Hockey season's actually like
1: close. Usually when they have their golf outing before camp, this is when we first yeah. see guys talking.
2: God, I love when Jonathan Marshall talks. He should yeah. talk all the time. He, he should, should be best. like he the lead after every He game. should be the lead interview. Yeah. We also so, have
3: tickets to a preseason game. <laughs> We do. We will give those away <laughs> later in
2: the show. If you want to go see the uh, Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche in the preseason? But here was Jonathan Marchessault talking about the semifinal loss to Montreal. It was honestly just a weird series. I don't think they're better than us. We didn't figure out what to do to show them we're better. We just ran into a hot goalie, and it seems to be one of the things that we do. Golden Knights, we run into hot goalies. We've got to find a way to win hockey games there's no excuses for us. So we've talked about this a lot over the last two years. You lose to Dallas. You almost lose to, lost to Vancouver two years ago. And then you lose to Montreal in the semis. This is a team that is a Stanley Cup contender. And I 100% agree with Jonathan Marcheseau. The Golden Knights are better than the Montreal Canadiens. They were last year. They're going to be again this year. But for some reason, they lost to that team in the playoffs, mm. just like they did to Dallas the year before. And it's, what is the problem? Why do they make, like he says, they run into hot goalies. I think the way to phrase it is they make goalies hot. I was going to say, I agree with everything he says, except the part of now he, he couches it in the end.
1: There's no excuses. You've run into hot goalies, perhaps then figure them out. That's on you, right? right? It's, it's it's on you, whether your players aren't good enough, where the lines aren't good enough. That's for DeBoer to decide and, and people who run that team to decide. But more so than hot goalies, when you're not finishing chances and you have nobody who can score, a lot of people would look like a hot goalie. It doesn't mean they weren't. I'm, I'm saying it doesn't mean those goalies weren't good.
2: But this is on you. So here's my question when we look at the future of the Golden Knights. Two straight years, semifinal loss to an inferior team. When does that change? Like, when do they stop huh. losing to a worse team in the playoffs? Because logic tells me that's just sort of random that they're, they're better than Dallas. They're better than Montreal. If they get to the semis again, and they're playing another yeah. team that we all consider them to be better than, they will win that series. But at the same time, the last two years, they get to the playoffs, and you can throw the Vancouver series in there as well, even though they didn't lose it. They've had three big series against bad teams where they can't score. Mm -hmm. And it's logic tells me that'll change because we have a much bigger sample size of the regular season. And hell, take even the series against Colorado or any of the other series they've played in one. We've got bigger sample sizes that suggest they're a good team. They will score. They're good at scoring. But for whatever reason, there's just it just sort of hangs out there that they'll might have a series again where they can't score anymore.
1: I mean, yeah, you don't want the alternative. You want what they have, which is being a really good team and among the favorites every year and hoping they hope, I think, like you just said, they're going to break through. They could break through this year. They could win it this year. Um, better than just, I, I mean, you'd rather be them than Montreal. I think Montreal kind of had a magical run, and they got there and lost to a better team in the final. You want to be the Knights. You want to be good every year, among the favorites every year, and hope that, like you said, eventually you will start scoring and you win the Cup. They've been in the position the last two years where they could have won the Stanley Cup. It's on them that they didn't.
2: But, yeah, if you tell me this year they'll win it, I won't even blink. It is. So if the Golden Knights do not win a Stanley Cup, right, let's say if they run into Colorado in the West and and lose it because Colorado is really good or whatever, and, like, let's just say over the next two or three years they don't win a Stanley Cup and then their decline happens because it's going to come eventually. Like, they're going all in. it's if They're eventually going to come back down. We're going to look back at these last two years and be like, that that was it. That might have been the window. Yeah, like – Again, they, they, there's the whole series against Tampa if you get there. But we're going to look back and, and say, wow, they really got eliminated by the Dallas Stars and the Montreal, Montreal Canadiens when yeah. they had a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. And like, we're going to look back and think those are two of the biggest series in franchise history mm-hmm. that they blew and that it's going to be a missed opportunity yeah. now. You know, now, if they win it this year, it doesn't matter. Right. You look back and say, OK, yeah,
1: well, you didn't it took us it. a few years right. and, you know, learned how to do it. And all the cliches you get from teams that win the
2: championship finally after failing two or three times. But it's it's interesting because as a team, they haven't they have not had many theories where they've lost to a team that you walked away saying that team is definitely better. They lost to Washington and I think you could walk well, away Washington saying Washington was saying better in the better. final but other than that year 2 when they got eliminated uh, by San Jose I don't even think you walked away no. saying San Jose was successful. I think you walked better. away and said that was a bad penalty yeah, we, <laughs> But like their last three yeah, their last three elimination series You you come away saying they should have won that series yeah. like that what happened like that was a series they should have won and that's that's a brutal thing to look back on as an organization Unless you win it Right and say wow we should have won every single one of the series that we got eliminated yeah. from. It's going to be tough. And that's, I think the pressure's on even more for them to actually win the cup.